Did you happen to listen to the last episode of the Boomex Show, Laws of Money podcast? In that episode, I walked a young entrepreneur through the steps of it correctly establishing a limited liability company. If you found yourself a little bit overwhelmed by that, no worries. Check out this episode where we continue the conversation. In it, Michelle has been provided her articles of incorporation, and we go through step-by-step what she needs to do to correctly establish her business and answer all of her questions. Listen in and learn how to correctly and ethically establish and run your business. Welcome, Boomexers. Let's throw out the old playbook. It's time to tear down the traditional way of looking at your life and money. And leverage the laws of money to our advantage. That's right. There are laws of money. And those who learn and leverage the laws of money win. And sometimes win big. Stay tuned as asset protection attorney Daryl Tuttle, educator and leader of the BoomX Nation, shows us how. Beginners, investors, entrepreneurs, fellow attorneys, are you ready? Are you ready? Let's arm this ball. Now, here's the BoomX Show. The Laws of Money. The BoomX Show Laws of Money podcast focuses on asset protection and topics related to estate planning, retirement planning, and even business planning. The last episode, episode 17, we had a conversation with a young entrepreneur, a fellow podcaster, Michelle Mendoza. It was a great episode, but candidly, feedback I've received was that it was a little intense. So we've decided to continue the conversation in the next two, possibly three episodes to break down in more detail the steps necessary for Michelle and you if you are planning to start a business or wondering if you establish your business correctly in the first place. With that said, this show would not be as comfortable without support from our sponsor, a sponsor that I believe in. I'd like us all to spend the next two minutes understanding and listening to the value of personal planning, the retirement roadmap, and the value of our sponsor, Shane Kloniger and SF Financial Group. We are experiencing the longest bull market in history. Is it over or is it just beginning? Do you feel like you are missing out because you don't know or even care to dive into the details of the financial markets? If so, wouldn't it be helpful to find a trusted advisor to guide you and help you build true family wealth? Finding a financial advisor is difficult. That is why so few have help managing their wealth. If you are a Boomix listener, you know I am skeptical about the financial services industry. That's why I'm excited to direct your attention to Shane Kloniger. Shane is the only advisor I currently refer clients to. Shane has decades of experience in help his clients build, grow, and protect their family's wealth. He is highly skilled and understands tax harvesting, a necessary skill in these tax-obsessed times. More importantly, Shane does not say no to people who are not rich enough, and he does not charge excessive fees, common, so common, in the financial world. Shane is the founding and managing partner of SC Financial Group. I have allowed Shane to sponsor the BoomX show because I believe in him and his services. As part of his sponsorship, he has offered a free financial plan 
to Boom Xers. Astounding, I know. Click the link below, fill out a simple form, and Shane will send you a free plan that maps out your retirement cash flow. This will help you understand your money and give you a clear path towards a secure retirement and family wealth that will last generations. Click the link below and receive your free BoomX Retirement Plan from Shane Kloniger now. Let's jump into the topic of today, business planning. I have uh, drafted for my friend Michelle Mendoza, our special guest today, all of the documents that she needs to establish herself as a limited liability company in the state of Washington. She has uh, been hit with, for lack of a better word, um, a whole host of documents to include the articles incorporation. Michelle, welcome to the show. And I think I'm just going to let you kind of start the conversation. You receive these documents. Uh, do you have any questions or feedback or comments just about your initial impression with receiving re really, I would think from your perspective, quite a few pages of legal documents, perhaps some of which you've never seen before. Walk us through your uh, impression and I'll do my best to answer any questions that you have. Certainly. So I received uh, the uh, an entire packet on uh, the LLCS um, with my name, the name of my business, as I'd like to have it licensed, and pages upon pages of what that means and all of the ins and outs, the kinds of things that make the average person's eyes glaze over and you go like this. <laughs> does that does that describe it? Yeah, and, and it's unfortunate that, you know, I, I struggle with that all the time as an attorney because we have to meet the, the law's requirements and the law is speaking to statutes in many cases. And so if the statute written by lawyers but developed over centuries has paragraph paragraphs and paragraphs of provisions and we're trying to make sure that we properly describe what we're trying to do so we can perhaps claim um, a tax deduction or a certain kind of status, what happens is you generate documents that's really not intended um, and, and not to be, um, now sometimes I get caught up in kind of like the lawyer joke frustration that clients feel, which is really <laughs> demeaning of the profession, but also demeaning um, like it's almost encouraging the, the client to kind of check out from, from the process and from the, the conversation a little bit. However, it, it is true that the documents are really just lawyers talking to each other because, you know, if it's an estate plan, I always say, hopefully no one will ever read these documents again. And of course, they're like, well, why did I pay tens of thousands of dollars for these documents if they're not going to be read? Well, because any kind of plan is trying to account for a bad situation or some, some contingency in the future that's unfortunate for our clients. For example, if um, you were diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease, that's a death sentence. Now, if we have a asset protection trust that renders the assets inside of the trust unavailable to a Medicaid agency, then that, that is a single best financial decision-making triumph that that client made she had you know needs to make it before she's diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's but if she is diagnosed we just saved the family's wealth now what's going to happen is eventually she's going to 
prob well, probably um, live long enough, hopefully, to uh, need some medical care, right? And that might mean a Medicaid application. Well, what the Medicaid agency is going to do is go through that trust with a fine-tooth comb to make sure that it meets the statute because the Medicaid agency is all about not paying money out to Americans for medical. We want to keep it, right? So they're in the business of saying no to claims. We're in the business of making the Medicaid agency say yes to claims while protecting our assets. Now, 1396 of the 42 um, USC says that we can move money into a trust that's protected. Now, if I have a client and a Medicaid agent See, social worker has to read that trust. That means something bad happened to my client. But I wish the best for my clients. I want them to live a long and prosperous and healthy life. The best estate plan is sitting on a beach, watching the sunset in Hawaii with my tie in your hand. And on the day you bounce your last check is the day you pass away at age 110, right? That's a, that's a perfect estate plan. There's no need to read any documents at that point because you lived a long life. Nothing bad happened to you. And, and you have no wealth to transfer on. But what happens is people get into situations that are unaccounted, and then we have claims on the money. And once we have claims on the money, you better have your paperwork in order. And so your frustration is basically, man, that's 300 pages of words I don't understand. Well, it, it, it is because it is because we are, in a sense, talking to a future judge, a social worker, a tax person at some point in the future. <laughs> about this contingency the um the difference to me daryl though uh, between f frustrations is when you are uh, online for example and you're signing up for email or you're uh, getting signed up for an application you have to read the terms and conditions right check the box and you scroll and you scroll and you scroll and then you scroll a little more um, through a lot of gobbledygook that, again, you don't understand until something happens. You're canceled online. You're uh, you have an issue. And then you find out all of that gobbledygook was protection for the company and not for you so much. And you're realizing just how powerless you can be. So when I'm looking through the, the documents for for setting up my my business, what I'm seeing is that is actual protection f for me. It's me not going out into the cold with with no jacket, go, heading up, going skiing without a jacket, ski pants, uh, hand warmers, gloves. You know, those are the things that will protect me from the elements. And, and if you've ever driven up to the mountains and you thought, oh, I forgot my, you know, you're not going to be protected from the elements. So in essence, it's a little bit different. You can be comforted by this fact that, yeah, it's a lot of pages, but the, it almost felt like the more pages, the more protected. Yeah, well, when, when you draft, like a, a common complaint is, well, why did it have to be so complicated? I just have a simple little LLC here, and this legal document's 85 pages long. Well, I threw in the kitchen sink because I don't know what's going to happen in the future. Um, and if we continue on this exercise, you know, it's not just the uh, 
operating agreement. The, the operating agreement and the LLC structuring it for asset protection. And remember, one of our main motivators was to save tax, um, uh, um, self-employment tax in particular. So we're structuring this so we are not paying unnecessary um, self-employment tax. That's like a big, big advantage to structuring as an S-corp with a LLC with okay. an S-corp election. Now, however, what I want your listeners to embrace and my listeners to embrace in you is that it's also contract. People think, oh, <clears throat> I need to protect my assets against some kind of lawsuit. And, and they always seem to think slip and fall or some kind of negligence claim. Like you do something, you invite somebody into your brick and mortar um, store, they slip and fall, they break their butt and they sue you. However, um, most, maybe not most, but a, a great number of claims are for breach of contract, not for negligence. And so it is possible that you could at some point in your future business, perhaps you make some kind of um, assertion. It's misunderstood by a guest, an affiliate, even a listener, and they think that they you promised them something that they did not receive. Well, that's, that's a breach of contract claim. And so what I see a lot of people doing is they have this LLC set up and then they're just kind of sloppy about the way they conduct themselves and um, end up in a, in a lawsuit. And if, if they lose the lawsuit, it is true that the person who won the lawsuit can only reach the assets that are inside of the LLC. That's the point. It's like an asset protection silo. If there is a judgment against your company, only the assets held inside of the company can satisfy the judgment if you, if you conduct it correctly. Okay. Now, something that's even better than that is have a rock-solid contract. That's, that's, that's first line of defense. When you're sued, you can go to the judge and say, I made this potential plaintiff sign, click a button and sign. What would you call it earlier? Gobbledygook. It, that's said, not wait wait are you saying that that's not a legal term <laughs> well, like when you log into facebook when you've signed up for facebook that i accept the terms and conditions have you ever um, scrolled through the terms and conditions on yes and website? you know what i hear do you know what i hear i hear the teacher from charlie brown <laughs> i literally hear it in my head so I, I'm looking at the documents uh, sent, LLC, S-Corp, uh, scrolling through. There's a lot that I don't understand. In fact, there's a lot. In fact, there's probably more that I wouldn't even know how to ask a question about. But as I do scroll through, I do see uh, a lot of sections, again, looking to provide me protections uh, where differing interactions occur. My first question would be, okay, so what does a business owner signing these documents, looking at these documents, what do they need to educate themselves and understand? Because I am not going to, in our lifetime, in, my, in the foreseeable future, have the amount of understanding and education that someone like you have on uh, all that starting a business and signing up and uh, the, the protections provided in these documents entail. Yeah, so the Articles of Incorporation is an internal document. It, it's not disclosed or recorded with the state agency. Like that, that's a major teaching point. 
And okay. um, important to know. That's right. Boom. And so, so when we go to file your um, articles, quote unquote articles, to tell the government we want to be acknowledged and seek the legal protections available to us under our state law as a limited liability company, you are going to a website for that particular state. It's almost always the Secretary of State Corporations Division or something similar to that. And so you Google Secretary of State Corporations for your state. Now I happen to know your state is Washington, but same as Florida, same as Montana, that you've got to go to, because remember that the, there's a difference between federal law and state law and limited liability companies are created by state law. So we're going to the state agency and we are filing articles. Now it's always a form, an internet-based form that that state provides. Like they, they don't want the 85 page document that I created for you. They want their one page. Just tell me what your name is. Okay. <laughs> you want to be my Michelle Media Productions LLC. I forgot what we named your, your company. What, 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 did he, what did you my, decide My on? Michelle Live. Yeah. Okay. So my Michelle Live LLC. And you've got to um, always say LLC. That's notice to the world that you're claiming limited liability. It's not just having um, a legal document. It's not just going to your Secretary of State Corporations Division and hitting a button and putting in your credit card. It's following rules. Now, step number one. Go to well. Step number one one would be sign your eighty five page document that I created for you. Like once you approve it, it's um, acceptable to you as to form. Sign it. Then we will go to the Secretary of State for Washington and use their online form, put it on our credit card, and hit submit. Now the difference between the two is the internal document. It serves, I believe, two purposes, three purposes. Number one, it is your playbook. This is how I am going to operate my business. And so it's personal to you. How I am going to operate my business in the context of all of the, the requirements of the limited liability company for the state of Washington. Now, all states require you to do an annual report. And all states require you to have like an annual meeting. The, the, the point is, I'm not just Michelle saying that I'm a LLC, so I have all these protections, and then just acting like I'm it, just me, an individual, me, Michelle. No, you are acting and behaving and putting yourself to the world as a limited liability company, as a business. Businesses, it is well established that businesses are a separate legal entity. They are different than individuals, but they have their own uh, legal status, and you must follow those rules. Now, I drafted your agreement, so if you just follow the rules laid down in that operating agreement, you can't go wrong because we've got all the – there's sections in there about on what day are you going to have your annual meeting? What kind of notice are you going to give to any other members, if any? There should be um, even like a template for – how to conduct the annual meeting. Because remember, after you have that annual meeting, then you have to file, I think it's like a 40 buck fee or $50 fee. You have to tell the state of Washington, okay, I'm still in business. I'm, st I'm still here. 
I'm still following the rules. I had my annual meeting and here's our report, right? Otherwise you'll um, be administratively dissolved after 12 months. That would be bad. We wouldn't want that to happen. So we got to, you know, keep, keep, keep doing it. The second part. So the first purpose is we're meeting the legal requirements. The second purpose is in the event that we're sued, um, just because we formed a limited liability company does not mean that all of our assets are protected. There's a thing called piercing the corporate veil, which means that if, if you're not following um, the rules as to the proper conduct of established business in the state of Washington, the judge will disregard your limited liability status and a judgment will um, attach to your personal assets. Now, a great way I mean, just imagine, <laughs> this is a scary thought. I, I almost said, just imagine that you're an attorney, like a lawsuit attorney, like you're the plaintiff's attorney. You're, you're a shark. You're a person that's going out and suing businesses on the behalf of consumers, right? Now, he knows these rules too. Like he knows that you're supposed to have an annual meeting. He knows that you're supposed to have articles of incorporation. He knows that you're supposed to um, uh, uh, corporate formalities. Now, if, if you were plaintiff's counsel, which would you rather have as a defendant? Would you rather have a guy who only filed the online form or a person with an 85-page operating agreement that laid out exactly how the business is to be conducted and to um, depose or interview? Knowledge is power. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. Because you're saying, look, dude, <laughs> I know what the requirements are. They're right here in my operating agreement. Why don't you take a look at it? It's 85 pages long. If you have any questions, you know. And so the, the, one of the purposes of that 85 page document is to um, present it to any potential, it, it could be a government agency or it could be um, plaintiff's law uh, attorney trying to claim that you didn't do it correctly, right? <clears throat> However, the third purpose is um, future members. Like, I'm, like one of the powers of an operating agreement is hopefully I want your business to grow, Michelle. I mean, I think that your podcast is great. And I think that you have um, something to give to the world. And the more successful you are, uh, eventually you're going to start having team members. And I don't know, maybe at some point in the future, you want to expand into a network. Well, now it just got complicated, didn't it? Because now we're adding people like you might want to give them employee profit sharing, or you might want to add another partner or somebody wants to come in and, and do some kind of really cool project with you. Well, the place to do it is to lay out, like if you're going to offer a 10% share in your company, it has to be in the operating agreement. Let's take a few minutes to listen to something very important about how you can get more education easily and inexpensively on demand through the BoomX Academy website. If you are in or near retirement, you may have concerns that one of the many threats to wealth in America today in particular, high unreimbursed medical costs, unnecessary taxation, or even family mismanagement could threaten your retirement nest egg. The good news is that the law does have solutions. Federal law and centuries-old trust law offers many safe harbors and, when implemented correctly, can protect your savings against Medicaid liens, state and federal tax agencies, and even private creditors. But why do so many retires then suffer asset erosion or even complete depletion, having failed to meet the law's requirements? 
The simple but sad truth is that most are unaware of these asset protection laws or believe that only the super wealthy can pay less in taxes or think that they must hire an expensive attorney, some who charge tens of thousands of dollars to put it all together. Unfortunately, we live in a world now where middle-class Americans simply do not have enough wealth to lose any of it. It's more important than ever for most to have an asset protection trust and plan, even if they are not super wealthy. Now, for the first time, families have help. Families can protect their assets if they learn a few basic concepts, have the correct legal documents, and implement these asset protection plans correctly. To do this, begin by enrolling in the BoomX Academy. The BoomX Academy is at, you guessed it, BoomXAcademy.com. That's BoomXAcademy.com. BoomX Academy offers free and tuition-based courses on topics related to retirement, estate, and asset protection planning. Sign up today for the Family Leaders membership level, and you will also join an online community of other learners. You may attend weekly live office hours with me, Daryl Tuttle, host of the BoomX Show and an in-the-trenches asset protection attorney. Best of all, you'll have access to the BoomX drafting app so that you can easily draft all of the legal documents you need without hiring an expensive lawyer. To repeat, you will walk away with a full set of properly drafted legal documents, documents that you understand. You can join today as a free member and you will be enrolled in the BoomX Show Companion course automatically. You can also test drive the $40 per month family leaders level at the astounding rate of just $1 for the first 30 days. During this first month, you will be able to draft a limited power of attorney to preserve their right to transfer your nest egg to an irrevocable trust, a proven strategy I have helped clients implement countless times. This is also an $1,800 value. You will be enrolled at no further cost into the nest egg course, which will introduce you to the concepts of asset protection and how to implement this legal document and begin your asset protection plan. To learn more, go to boomxacademy.com. That's boomxacademy.com. We are back with Michelle Mendoza, who at this point is looking um, a little excited <laughs> to be here. Uh, my, I don't know, well, Michelle, tell me, we, before the break, we were talking about kind of at a higher level, the purpose of the documents. I'm kind of curious, what, what is it that, you, that you're hearing um, at this point? We're doing that, uh, laying that foundation ahead of time. Is, that's what oh, I hear right. you saying, is that this may happen down the road. And uh, a business person starting out, I have this vision. And in this vision, we can lay out what what the company's going to look like, like this. And what you're telling me sounds like, yes, but later on, it might look like this. And we want to lay that foundation so you don't have to reinvent the wheel. It's already laid out. In the eventuality that your business goes from this to this, we have it laid out and the foundation already set. For the record, it's um, audio, not video. And for listeners, when Michelle <laughs> was saying this vision, she was holding up her hands with a, uh, like a symbol of a circle. 
Let's just then, yeah. Let's it, just go from a circle grew, to a rectangle. It looked like a rectangle. So that, that is, that's exactly right because um, I mean, and I plan, did it well. I'm sorry you if you're great. listening and you didn't see that because that visual no, that, that rocked essentially. <laughs> This is a circle. Shush. Yeah, a big, right. a big zero. Hush, <laughs> My you. right now is a big nothing. It's zero. <laughs> we could do that little heart thing that, you know, no, little, Gen Z's do. Or not. We could not do that. Yeah. That's okay. But, but um, that, you know, I used to be in the infantry, in the Army, and I was a training officer. So I, had, I read a lot of training manuals to include the official U.S. Army um, doctrine on training. And um, what's weird is... The Army defines the word planning in this really touchy-feely, non-macho Army way. They, they talk about an envisioned future. They use those exact words, envisioned future, and the steps necessary to, to bring you to that envisioned future. And, and envisioned future hmm. it is different than hope. It's different than a dream. Um, creatives always say, I have a vision. Well, yeah, okay, I do too. I mean, I, I, I have this vague notion of what I think I can give the world. I have a vague notion of where I want to be in 10 years. But I think to really pull it off in a business perspective, it has to be more of an envisioned future that's, that's more detailed, especially if we are in the context of all these legal requirements. And um, one thing That's I the difference to, to me between hope and a dream. A dream is just something that says, wow, this, what if, what if? And, and hope to me is more of a, a solid footing. I can, I, not that I just hope it happens, but more that I have faith uh, in something that has legs because there's a foundation laid. Yeah. I, I always say there's a thing called, um, one of the things that stops people from successfully implementing a business plan or a personal plan is um, optimism bias. And really yeah. optimism bias is hope. And so what'll happen is um, like in, in personal planning, I, I don't want, I don't need um, an asset protection trust because nothing bad's going to happen to me. I mean, I'm young, I'm healthy. It's a remote probability at some point in the future. And therefore, I'm just going to roll the dice. Now, businesses don't operate that way. Successful businesses, like, think about Microsoft. Um, we won't roll out Windows 95. Let's say you let's go back to the days when Microsoft just started rolling. One of the things that they did very, very successfully, which they were constantly looking at the future, they were constantly trying to predict the path of technology and then come up with contingencies to meet different possibilities in the future. Other businesses failed to do that. Remember the company IBM? Remember that thing that used to be called a BlackBerry? Yes. Where, yes. Whatever. That, like back in the day, that was it. That was the technology. Okay. So for, for those listening or watching and that don't know, uh, Blackberries used to be the highest, coolest tech. Um, it, it, we used to have pagers back in the day. So if you wanted someone, you could actually put in a number, put a number in and it would buzz on your hip and you go, Oh, 
all right, so I'm being paged. And sometimes you could even send, it got to the point where you could almost send a, a text, small rudimentary text-like message, less advanced than the uh, characters were limited to on something like Twitter, right? And it would just scroll across in computer-like digits across your screen. Then and, and it got, so it, that, that was the advancement of Blackberries that you could send these texts. It wasn't just a buzzing pager. Uh, but where did they go? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> They're taking up space yeah. in the landfill. At some point in the in that business, they had a, a failure. I mean, a mental failure. Whereas other companies had um, more than a dream, more than a hope. They had this idea of an, a, vision, a vision future, and they had all the steps necessary to get there. And you know, if you think about, well, what if my hope for the future doesn't work out? Do I have a backup plan? And Really, one of the things we're trying to do for you is set up a structure of decision-making with your limited liability company that not only meets the law requirements, but allows you to add um, new members. And it says, like, for example, um, deadlock. Well, well, I guess a fourth, I'm going to add one. So a fourth purpose is conflict resolution. Like, how many businesses end up failing because when key decision-makers don't agree, there's no way to resolve the conflict? Like, what if a 54% shareholder decides that they want to bring the company in this vision and the, the rest of the shareholders disagree? Is it, does it need um, a 51% vote or is it a two-thirds vote or is it, is it uh, 100%? Uh, an, an, not anonymous, but unanimous, <laughs> right? And so like all those decisions that you make are designed to put up um, create ahead of time the framework for a successful, healthy decision-making entity. It's hard to view that now because you're just, you know, you think of yourself as, the, as a podcaster and just like one person. Mm-hmm. However, um, I personally believe that you're going to grow. And at some point, you know, you might want to, oh, oh, and a spouse even. Sometimes we invite our spouses to participate. Um, sometimes even in like in the community property state, as I've indicated in the past, they have an ownership interest in it just by status of, of your, um, for example, um, what if you married somebody who had a background in accounting? Now, I love you to death, Michelle, but I'm under the impression that accounting is not like your strong suit. <laughs> it's certainly not my strong suit at all, right? No, and you know, I, I live my life by the adage that there are three kinds of people, those who math and those who don't. You can draw from that conclusion, which I am. <laughs> so, yeah, you would be correct. Yeah. But the point is, um, uh, I concede that the 85-page operating agreement is not the funnest reading in the world. and um, But just realize that it's serving one of these four now four purposes. We're speaking to lawyers in the future about something. If something goes wrong, we're trying to um, meet the law's requirements as for taxation and all of this. We are um, creating a healthy decision-making um, machine. And there's one more, but I forgot what it was. <laughs> I'm getting back. There's five purposes. <laughs> so my next what, question what? would be along the lines of the hoops. Um, 
as reading through the documents, uh, you had even mentioned annual meetings. Uh, I understand that there are times where you have to uh, send in information. There's hoops to jump through. Uh, and those are sometimes hard for a business owner to understand because I'm a business owner. I'm good at what I do. Um, I don't have a business degree. My education and experience lies elsewhere. So I, I don't always understand and even reading through how to, what, which one of these hoops you know, I really have to adhere to hardcore ad adherence w dates and deadlines. And those are a lot of things that can, uh, intimidate and frustrate someone with an entrepreneurial mindset or personality type to say it it's a buzzkill okay <laughs> it's a buzzkill <laughs> i appreciate how you danced around that to spur my feelings no it is it, it is it is a buzzkill um and let's let's first talk about um let's kind of re revisit the steps like I, we blazed through that on the first episode. So now you have an actual document and put that document, sign, sign the document uh, and become, read through it and even think about how you want to improve it. Because just because it's drafted by lawyers, a lot of those provisions are about how you're going to operate your business. Take that seriously and visit it once a month at least. And the um, I drafted yours so you just have this annual meeting. The annual meeting is a great opportunity for you to really sit down and like what happened last year. But you know, if I, we re, if we called it something like a, the, an annual party where we talk about stuff, I think that would be yeah. a lot less intimidating to people of my well, personality style. Okay, so here was my idea. I, I, I wasn't able to pull it off because I couldn't get enough people to be interested but so i wanted to have my annual meeting um in disney world and i wanted it to be a celebration i wanted to fly in family and friends at disney world at my expense and sit down and spend the weekend together and talk about like the first night would probably be fun but then the next morning would be a session on what what the company did last year you know, and, and for the record, I RSVP'd the second I got that. <laughs> like, no, the I'm thing in. Is, you were the only person. <laughs> like, I can, I literally cannot fly people to Disney World to spend time with me. <laughs> I pulled out my my mini ears and everything. I was set, man. Oh well. <laughs> well, and what a great place because Disney is one of the most successful companies in the world. Um, in fact, they might be be the most successful company in the world. I know this. They're the largest purchaser of alcohol in the entire world. Did what? You know oh, hmm. yeah, big time. <laughs> they own ESPN. That's why. <laughs> but um, but the, the, and also like, OK, what's our goals for next year? Like get feedback from people because nice. um, you lose perspective. What sucks about being um, on your own is you get into your headspace and it can warp you because you're not um like the mom test <clears throat> like like you can't just go to yourself and your family and say hey i had this great idea what do you think well if you ask your mom she's gonna say oh that's great son it doesn't matter what you ask your mom that's that's awesome however if you ask some people with a little bit more distance and say okay i have this idea for um a cookbook and it's going to be on um 
three by five cards instead of a book and you know, whatever your idea is, even that's not the way to look at it. You need to ask some questions like how do you cook and what types of food do you cook and where do you get your recipes and where do you get your products, that type of research. It only takes, it takes distance, but it also takes dedicated space and time, right? Now, if I bribe somebody with Mickey Mouse ears at Disney World, hopefully they'll give me two or three hours of their attention on Saturday morning in in a meeting (laughs) environment, right? Right? And so you can turn that operating agreement into something that's meaningful to you and and fun. However, with that said, remember, once you file with your state agency, you're not done yet. Then you have to go to your state tax um, agency and get a separate number. So, um, the, the, so the state will give you some kind of taxpayer ID number in, in your state. It's called a, a UBI uniform business identifier um, in different states will have different numbers for it, but you're letting the tax revenue know that you exist so they can tax you. Then you need to go to your city. Almost every, I would imagine every city and town in the United States requires you to have a business license. It does not matter if you're virtual or not. Also remember, some cities have um, a business tax. You're in Seattle. Guess what? Do you imagine Seattle has a, a separate business tax? Oh, my goodness. They they tax the, you know, they tax my the, the fingernail polish, part. you know, that I have in my in my drawer and is, you know, collecting dust. They'll, they'll tax the, <laughs> the heck out of anything they can. They tax uh, plastic bags or disallow. Uh, anyway, so tax, anyway, Seattle, Seattle is a tax. But we have great system. weather during the summer. During the summer, which is two months long. <laughs> For two weeks. On, hey, this is I'm, in the midst of those two weeks. Leave me alone. <laughs> the Mr. Puerto Rico, I don't want to hear it. Um, and then, and don't screw that up too, because... Um, and the cities tend to tax at the end of the year. The states tend to tax quarterly. And then, of course, you have to register with the the, um, the government, the big government, and that's the feds. So that's IRS. And you're obtaining an EIN, employee, employer identification number. They call it that even if you don't have an employee. And then um, remember, after that, when you um, start making money, it gets more complicated because you're also have to pay to your state department of labor and industries for um lni they call it lni you also have to play um unemployment you know, employment benefits I, I get a little fuzzy at this part when i start going do you do you do that means okay i outsource that so i always just use like um benefits mall pay them a little fee and then they just pay everybody however you know just be aware that when it comes to payroll, what you're trying to do, Michelle, listen to me, pay attention. This is vitally important. Number one, you, you need to pay yourself a salary. That's will be taxed. Remember what we talked about last time? Income tax. Pay yourself what a podcaster is paid in America on average. I've got to believe that's $35,000 a year or so. Everything above that is, is not reported as salary or income that's going to be reported as earnings that's where you're going to save money on self-employment tax so you're breaking your profit the money that's flowing into your company into two categories money's going to come in and you are an employee at the end of your year tax year your company 
my Michelle Live, comma, LLC will pay, will have paid your salary and will issue you a W-2. You'll take that W-2 and you'll um, staple that for lack of, you know, like mentally, the mental picture is attaching it to your uh, 1040 and paying income tax on that. The rest of that will be um, reported on your Schedule K and reported as like a dividend or profit tax differently. And if you, if you screw that up, you'll pay a lot of money in taxes that you did not need to pay. How many steps was that right there? More than I counted. <laughs> okay. So, so state, state, um, secretary of state, there's one tax agency for the state. There's two city, city there's three, federal. IRS is four, at least four steps right there. And with four steps, I think we are going to call it a day. We will continue the conversation with Michelle Mendoza on how to properly set up an LLC and run it on the next episode of The Boom X Show. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Boom X Show Laws of Money podcast, where asset protection attorney Daryl Tuttle breaks down the complicated rules of estate, retirement, and even long-term care planning. You can listen to past episodes of The Boom X Show by going to boomxshow.com or subscribing right from your smartphone's podcast player. To take a deeper dive, join as a free member in the Boom X Academy and you'll be automatically enrolled in the show's companion courses where you can find enhanced content and many of the show's important episodes. Enroll now by visiting boomxacademy.com. That's boomxacademy.com. Boom X Academy.